Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Some would say a scholar. Some would say a scholar, yeah. yeah. Yes. Some might say a scholar, actually. You're listening to the Heat Factory Podcast with Owen Robb and Professor Dr. Rob Stevens, PhD. We're here with Kieran and Wagner, who is, would you call yourself the leader of gas? You're definitely the one who, the founder of gas, right? For lack of a better word, yeah. You know, I'm not near as qualified as some of the other people on the team, so I would, you know, hesitate to assert any kind of leadership over them. <laughs> Why don't you right. go ahead and tell us who's all on the team, just for people who might not know. Who is all on okay. GAS? And what does GAS even stand for? Yeah, for what's people? GAS stand for? Yeah, what does GAS stand for? So, uh, I don't actually know how I thought of it. I, I texted Tate Whitesell at like 4am one day, and I'm like, dude, gentlemen and scholars, team GAS. Nice. And the first reply I got was, that's literally the worst team name I've ever heard. <laughs> from From Tate? Yeah, and then we kind of expanded. I talked to John Ng about it. I was like, dude, gentlemen and scholars. And he's like, that sucks. I would never join a team called gentlemen and scholars. <laughs> then like three days later, Tate hits me back and he's like, okay, honestly, like it's grown on me a little bit. Like it seems like a team name that you would come up with. And that's kind of what I was going for. I, th- I felt like if I called a team, team gas, it would be pretty indicative of, you know, being a project that I was involved in just for anybody who knows me. Yeah. It's also pretty good Pokemon terminology since we all say about the same three words like busted, insanio, and gas. That's it. That's all yeah, dude. The amount of times I've said gas just in like, I've got all my fraternity brothers saying gas now. I'll be like, yo, who's trying to do this fun activity? And someone will reply, oh, gas. So, all right. I have a question because I listened to your first episode of the gas podcast. and The gas was, station. The gas station. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was super fun to listen to. You use the word scholar of the game a lot in that podcast, which I found really interesting. Tell me, when you call someone a scholar of the game, can you describe what you mean by that and, and how that applies to gas? Like, what sets apart the people on the team? I guess I'm interested in that because I am, you know, a scholar in, like, real life. I'm a professor. So talk to me about Pokemon scholarship a little bit and how that applies to gas. I think, really, like, what sets apart... You know, you can be a player of the game or you can be a scholar of the game. And we all, you know, everybody's a player of the game. We're all always playing. We go to a tournament to play. But I think the thing that sets good players apart from, you know, players who are just all right are the players who are playing and constantly learning. I think to be a scholar of the game, just because you're playing in a tournament, just because it's the real deal doesn't necessarily mean that that can't be a learning experience. Like all of your learning doesn't have to be done in testing. So committing to be to like being a scholar of the game in general is just kind of that commitment to you know as long as i'm playing the game this absurdly intricate game for people that might even be a lot smarter than people who are already playing you know it it takes a lot to play the game so being a scholar of the game in general is just kind of the commitment to be to be open to growing and learning that game in your podcast you talked about growing as a player um you had kind of a journey to get there you know, what was the turning point for you that made you into a scholar of the game? And what does that look like in terms of the way that you play and practice the game? You know, despite all these things kind of happening about two years ago, I'd say it wasn't really until probably September or October when I really kind of made that commitment. And that really, you know, it, it kind of came with 
uh, like near the end of high school, I was definitely like burnout by like senioritis, kind of at that point where high school just didn't feel horribly important. So I was at a point in my life where I wasn't necessarily, you know, just a scholar in general. Okay. Um, but as I kind of reapproached, you know, in college, anybody who's been through college or who is in college will tell you that college is a lot more work than your young life was probably ever used to. Right. So if you're going to be if you're going to be a student in college, you can't just be here. You can't just, you know, be playing the game that is college. You have to be a scholar. You have to be opening yourself to learning and kind of a lot of that mentality and recognizing how important it is to, you know, if you want to truly be good at something, you really have to cultivate that. And that was something that being somewhere, you know, in college with a lot bigger of a workload kind of taught me. And so in September, October, it just kind of became a new kind of profound commitment to not just like knowing the game, not just knowing my deck, but to constantly, you know, to try to play two, three, four or five really good games every day and to try to learn something new about the game or the decks that I'm playing every single day. What that looked like in practice was just, you know, more self-discipline and testing, dedicating more time to thinking about the game. And that really, you know, not everybody always has time to be playing the game three to five games a day. But, you know, when you're not doing other things, when you're walking to your next class or when you're walking to work, it's easy to just throw some ideas in the group chat or just think about like I sit in my classes and just like type out lists or like I'll think of like, oh, that's theoretically a cool card for this matchup so i'll just write it down in practice it's just constantly kind of tuning your brain to be receptive to new information when it comes to pokemon what about the the gentleman aspect of it so what do what do all the the guys who are on the team what do they all have in common in terms of being a gentleman that made you attracted to getting them on the team like made you want to attract them i should say to get on the team I wasn't necessarily looking for, you know, someone who specifically exudes, like, very strong, like, gentlemanly, I guess, principles, like, in looking for team members. But, you know, obviously, it's it's a given that, like, if you're going to be publicly represented and publicly representing us, we want that to be positive representation. And as I kind of talked about a little bit in the podcast, you know, before my ban, I definitely wasn't what I'd call a gentleman within the community. So part of where that name comes from is sort of a constant reminder to me that, you know, if I'm, when I'm representing Team Ghast, I'm not just here in a tournament. I'm not just there to have fun. I'm there to constantly be a presence that's both a gentleman and a scholar for the game. So it's kind of, in a lot of ways, it's like being in a fraternity too. It's kind of, you know, they tell you if you're publicly representing our organization, we want you to represent it well, so be conscious of your actions. But then I why definitely did you get think... Frank Persick on your team? What are you thinking? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Frank. Talk to me about Gas in terms of, obviously, it's a Pokemon team, and we all, you know, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with that, but what are your plans for Gas in the future in terms of the team? Are you guys going to start, you're you're putting out a podcast, are you going to start putting out other media? What what are your thoughts? What's the end goal? Yeah, what's the end goal here? Yeah, so we've we've talked a lot about putting out content um, in general. Everybody was kind of, like, kind of in general just on the same page. Like, yeah, we want to put out content. We're also, you know, we're, for the most part, a pretty young group of guys. I think all of us are either, like, actively in school or, you know, in Frank's position, just barely out of it. I guess Luke is also a bit older, too. But, like, for the most part, a lot of us, 
yeah. you know, just have like a lot of everyday life stuff going on. But uh, over over winter break, especially, we're we're looking towards getting a, a YouTube channel started up. Eventually, we'd like to have a website that we're writing articles for when we can. The podcast was something that I was like, when we first started, I really wanted the you know the team to be producing some amount of content, sort of from the get go. And so I was like, yo, guys, let's do a podcast. And everybody was like, yeah, that's a great idea to think about for the future. And I'm like, nah, like, let's just let's just bang one out. Let's just do a podcast. And everybody's like, okay, like we're, you know, that sounds super fun. Let's do it over winter break because we're too busy. And I'm like, okay, but I'm going to do a podcast today. And they're like, all right, good luck with that. And then I stumbled through it. I managed to figure out how to get it on SoundCloud. And that's sort of how we got to the, like, where we are today in terms of, the the podcast but i'm i'm gearing up for a second episode here as we kind of talked about earlier is it gonna be solo or you gonna have uh some of the boys on the one that i told you about with the uh the special guest is just me and me and that guest moving forward i think we're gonna try to get either luke tate or nick on every week because as long as we have at least one of those we have someone that's somewhat coherent around a computer and i really am not (laughs) yeah luke's putting out good stuff all the time since you are doing all this content, and I've seen a lot of teams in the past, they just like, hey, it's just a collective friend group. We're going to start a team. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. Like, what makes you different from everybody else? Like, what makes you different than, like, Rockets Hideout or, like, a Six Prizes or, like, I don't know, a content creator like Luke or maybe even a content creator like us? Like, what makes your podcast different from mine or, like, Carl's podcast or what makes you different from everybody else? I'm just curious if you have, like, some sort of special angle you're working I can't necessarily speak to, like, you know, podcasts like you guys and and Carl's because those, you know, you guys also feel very, I guess, grassroots is the word that I'd like to use in terms of approach. But, I mean, you know, in terms of being a team, we want to be a team that exists at a different capacity than a team like, I'm trying not to call out here, but, I mean, you know, at this point everybody has their opinions on ddg just as an entity and i you know i i I love every single one of the ddg guys i'm very close friends with a lot of them um but i've been pretty vocal in my saying that teams at the capacity that like ddg exists at uh don't work for one simple reason and that's that the team starts with ddg it's ddg's brand and then they make their team of competitive players sometimes a group of people that plays well together you know, not always, and we've seen a little bit of that with how the team has kind of grown and changed a little bit. We right. saw frankly, we saw some other people join. Sure. But really, you know, kind of the central the central thing that wasn't working about that was that it was a brand's team. And, you know, we just constantly kind of see the same group of people go to a team, take the the financial benefit that they get from it, kind of use it up until there isn't that really that benefit anymore, and then move on and join a team with a very similar, maybe not the same, but similar roster, right. and just kind of move on. But that, that didn't feel like a team. And also, you know, there's like, in terms of testing, there's still, there's, ddg and then there's the no leak squad because i know there are about five six people who are on ddg right now that don't actually get the don't get the secret deck the ddg deck that don't even know about it yeah they're just united Uh, under a a name and but the real core is like no leaks like you said where they get supplied like the best testing and the best lists and that's who they're testing well because some teams are just like you know, they're called teams, but it's more, I'm here to represent the brand, and it's just a collection of players who are representing. And then there are teams, so you're saying gas is more like, we're testing together, we're representing, we're like acting as a team. 
It's like almost like a yeah. it's almost like a school of thought, right? All you guys are you guys are like Yale or something like that, and this is what we've come up as the best deck. We're gonna all kind of take this idea to the tournament. Yeah, you know all these top level players representing brands and like being definitively the best and having a sponsor to say so. You know what makes their opinions kind of carry a lot of weight in a lot of ways when a top player's tweeting about, like, decks or the meta, it sort of has this inverse effect where it stagnates the meta. You know, why try something new when all the proven established players have told you what's good and what's bad? Sure. And so we talk about DDG always having the safe deck, but we don't really talk about the fact that DDG has the safe deck because they spend the weeks leading up to the tournament on Twitter saying which decks are good and which decks are bad to cultivate a safe meta game for their deck. So... You know, I, I don't want to be the mad prophet preaching about something that's not actually happening. We but want I think you to be in that. a lot of ways, the less, you know, I think in a lot of ways, the less, I guess, informed Pokemon players are sort of being taken advantage of by top players for being less informed. So I would just kind of, you know, in general, the goal is to kind of teach people how to be scholars of the game for themselves and draw their own conclusions so that they don't have to rely on top players' opinions on Twitter when they're going to make a choice for a tournament. So talk to me a little bit about yourself outside of the game for a minute. You're, what are you, a freshman or sophomore at Iowa? I am a freshman at Iowa. And what are you studying? Right now I'm a, a poli-sci major. I was a business major, but I just made the switch. I want to go to law school after college, and I'd like to be a lawyer. So that's kind of what I'm here for in general. But I guess my dream, I also really like music, so I guess my... You know, my, my crazy fantasy would be that I release music and it gets popular enough before I finish college that I could drop out and be a musician. But thinking realistically, lawyers, what we're what we're gearing up for here. What do you? What kind of music do you make? Do you, are you a singer? Or are you? What do you do? It all kind of started. I've been ever like when I was like ten. I just started watching YouTube videos on how to play the piano. Gotcha. Um, and I kind of had like a basic idea of how to play. Then I started, I, I asked for like a guitar and a ukulele and I started watching videos about that. I've been in choir probably my whole life. And then I just started around like sophomore or junior year of high school. I started just like writing songs. And then over this past summer, I got like Ableton Live and all the like MIDI controllers to do it digitally. So now I'm uh, just trying to like produce my own album. Do you have like a group name or a name for yourself as a musician? It's just me, um, but my uh, I, the name I'm kind of looking towards right now is Man in Madrid. Uh, okay. I just use like a random name generator to get Man in Madrid, but there's a Madrid, uh-huh. Iowa, so it's kind of a it's kind of a cute way to sort of hail back to the fact that I'm from Iowa. I feel like gotcha. Well, yeah, so I, I also think it's kind of catchy. It sort of rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it's funny because like a lot of musicians just kind of go online and Google like rap name generator like Charles Gambino yeah. is like yeah, famously Gambino yeah. just use he's a Wu-Tang Clan name generator yeah. and that's yeah, yeah. what he came up with yeah I, I mean it, it, I, I like the idea man of is it man of Madrid man in Madrid man and I like in it. Madrid I like it it sounds good thank you thank you Mim so yeah be on the the goal is to have that out by March so be on the lookout for that for sure dude he can be Mimi or Mimi <laughs> M-I-M-I right man in Madrid, Madrid Iowa Nice. Yeah, sure. Just call yourself Mimi for short. (laughs) I mean, it'll just be Man in Madrid because I'm not actually... The funny thing is I've never actually been to Madrid, Iowa. I just know there is a Madrid, Iowa because I'm thankfully from the one part of Iowa that isn't a less developed country. (laughs) All right. Uh, Kiernan, do you play like 
What, what's your favorite game other than Pokemon? Do you have, like, an outside, like, side game? Because a lot of us, like... Myself, I like to watch Smash or play Smash. Uh, Jesse Parker, he likes League. Do you have any other, like, outside hobbies, maybe, other than music or Pokemon? I mean, to be honest, most of my most of my free time goes into goes into music, but my fraternity is very, very competitive when it comes to Smash, so I've definitely spent a lot more time playing Smash than I did before joining, because it, it gets, like, there are a lot of guys there that could actually be, like, going to tournaments and, like, doing pretty decently. You guys play Ultimate? Like, I see, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I, you know, like... You wouldn't imagine that a fraternity bro would be like, yo, like, play me in Smash, I'll give you the hands. And then you start playing them, and they're actually just, like, teching circles around you because they actually know all the mechanics of the game, but they're, like, crazy good. So I, I, I do play a good amount of Smash. Always a proponent for Minecraft. I'm a big, I like Minecraft. I think Minecraft is pretty sweet. I have a Switch. I don't really play it a ton, but anytime, you know, one of the new... Like, I'm, I'm going to buy Luigi's Mansion at some point here. Uh, I'll probably buy Sword and Shield at some point here. You know, anytime those new, like, big Switch games come out, I tend to buy them eventually. And I love, I'm a big Zelda guy. Once, whenever Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, that'll definitely be an instant cop. What's your favorite Zelda? <laughs> I'm just curious. For, like, for reasons of sentiment, I, I gotta give it to either Link to the Past or Ocarina of... Or not Ocarina of Time. Uh, Link to the Past or Majora's Mask. Oh, come on. Majora's Mask. Um, I'm an but, Ocarina of uh, Time. Time kind of guy. But Majora's Mask is also good. I was playing Ocarina Link to the Past today. definitely kind of got the ball rolling. But then also just like in general, anytime I rate Zelda games, it feels weird because I almost have to put Breath of the Wild in this whole other category. Because it's like... You know, just like you benefit so much from hindsight, but like in general, I would say Breath of the Wild's the best video game I've ever played. So with that in mind, it's kind of hard not to rate it as my best Zelda game. But if if we bring sentiment into the mix, then Link Link to the Past and uh, Majora's Mask start to edge it out. <laughs> so let's say that you're driving to a regional, pull up to good old Mickey D's. <laughs> <laughs> this is the question we oh, typically. I'm, I'm so ready, dude. I'm so ready. We ask every what's guest your... this, and I, I, what, what's your McDonald's order? What's your McDonald's order? How do you please the the big clown? <laughs> okay, so it, it it depends on what the deals are, but right now there's a deal on it. So my current order has been the uh, the two for three dollar McDouble meal because you can get one McDouble and then one spicy McChicken, and those spicy McChickens are fire. I didn't even um, realize so that. I get... I didn't even realize McDonald's had spicy McChickens. Yeah, dude, they're 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 pretty heat. But I get a I get the McDouble with no mustard and no pickles because I don't like either of those things. A large fry for sure, and then a, a six piece McNuggets to boot with barbecue and sweet and sour sauce, and then a large Coke because all the drinks are a dollar, no matter what size you get. That's true. You might as well, yeah. You might as well get the. I don't know, like, what the last time I got a medium or a small drink at McDonald's. Was because they're always uh, a box. Cinnamil. Yeah, they they just need to they just need to drop those cups. You just need large size cups. <laughs> also, the cinnamelts though. Can't forget the you got to round out the order with the cinnamelts. I'm just mad Ohio doesn't really have the ham. spicy chicken. <laughs> you really go ham oh. at McDonald's. I dig it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if you're at McDonald's, chances are you're either like super hungry from the tournament, or your day has. How do I say this in a very G-rated way. Your day has progressed in a way so that you're naturally in a state of mind where a lot of McDonald's sounds like heaven and not like a, like, like a challenge. Like 03 McDonald's is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your favorite Pokemon? Ooh, Garbodor. 
The trash man? Why yeah, Gar? Why I Gar? like Garbodor because he's just so repulsive. He's literally the worst. Have you ever played a Garb deck like to a degree of success? Didn't you have a Fort Wayne run where you played a Garbodor? Like a Garbodor Sableye? Yeah. That was like you and Nick like way back in the day. I remember that. Yeah, I don't like to take credit for ever inventing decks, but Nick and I were part of the camp that quote-unquote invented Sableye Garbodor in the modern iteration with... Austin Bags and Brandon Smiley from Madpools. Oh, like, they're Texas boys. The, yeah, yeah. I remember put, that. Put us on this idea, and we changed, like, probably, like, seven to ten cards in the list and then just went in, and that was, yeah, that was that was kind of my claim to fame achievement. That was my first, like, real achievement in the game. I top four that regional. Yeah. I think that was back in the day when your standard was day, sta- or, yeah, standard was day one and expanded was day two, right? Nah, that was actually the first year that it was just, they gave you a format beforehand and it was always the, but I think that year, uh, the way it worked was regionals were all expanded. Weird. Cause I, yeah, cause I'm pretty sure every, every regional I went to was, was black and white on. And then like states were standard, nationals were standard, just like everything except regionals in some cities were standard. Yeah, that had to have been like I think that was like 2015, 2016. It had to have been. Yeah, yeah, that that was the twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen season, like going into San Fran Worlds. All right, give us a hot take about one of two things: either about the meta right now, expanded's kind of going to be the big discussion point and coming up because Dallas is coming up, or about the new set that's about to come out, uh, the the sword, sword and shield set. Give us a hot take about one of those two things. All right, I got hot takes out the wazoo for expanded, so I'll definitely go more Sweet. into that bulk. I think it's it's weirdly coincidental how many articles I've seen about Zorogarb lately. I mean, for one, you know, a lot of the people are like, let's just start with Zorogarb and expanded because it won the last regional. But I don't think I've seen a lot of top players writing about Zorogarb, and its matchups are pretty terrible going into Dallas. It seems like so I don't think a single one of those players is going to play Zorogarb. I think they're all trying to put you guys on Zorogarb, and I think there's a bigger brain play you can make than Zorogarb. So don't fall for the Zorogarb trap. Excellent. You got, All right. other, you got other stuff? We're listening. Alright, okay. I think Guardian is a lot better than it ever has been. It can abuse the tag call engine like no other. I still don't think it's like on its own a quote-unquote good deck. Because, I mean, it like, you know, it takes like three turns to do 160 damage. Right. But it like, it destroys Zoro Garb. And it like, it, it can grind out a lot of matchups. And I think it's... In terms of like what I'm expecting to see, it's very well poised. I think stall decks are still good. I think someone's gonna make a really deep run with a Sableye list that's more focused on using a Team Aqua secret base and pulling something active and just kind of stalling it there. If you play Mewtwo, you are a genius mm. for sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Some would say a scholar. Some would say a scholar. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Some might say a scholar actually, but in in seriousness, like. I made like this spreadsheet, kind of like what Luke did for Pokestats for for Portland, where it ran all the decks we were expecting to see based on how much we were expecting to see and how strong, you know, like how well poised it was, and sort of cross-referencing these decks to each other. But based on this that we made, we included like Zorogarb in it, Turbo Dark, Guardian, basically everything you could expect to see. And based on the calculations, Mewtwo was shown to be the best deck by about 11%. And that, my testing kind of supports that I think Mewtwo is just far and away the best deck you could possibly play for. Like, if you know Mewtwo for Dallas, like, you, 
at this point, you just, like, auto-win Zorogarb. I'm hesitant to use the word auto-win, but, like, Zorogarb has, like, Zorogarb's win condition in that matchup is that you don't put them in a position where they just lose turn one, and they also don't just lose to a Distort anyway, which is really bad for them. So just, like, if you have time to learn Mewtwo, play Mewtwo, guys. Seriously, play Mewtwo. Sweet. It's so good. All right, I think that's all the questions we have. Um, Karen, do you want to plug any of your stuff, like Gas's Twitter or your, your podcast? Do you want to point them in the direction of to go find your stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the definitely follow the Team Gas Twitter. It is Team Gas Pokemon. Uh, I don't know if capitalization matters on Twitter, but if it does, the T, the G, the S, and the P are capitalized. Definitely follow my Twitter, just at Kieran and Wagner, K-I-E-R-N-A-N-W-A-G-N-E-R. Stay in tune for new episodes of the Team Gas podcast. That You can find it on SoundCloud. The uh, SoundCloud channel is Kieran and his Gas. So also, given that that's my personal SoundCloud, maybe be on the lookout for some music stuff at some point there, too. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and Pokestats. Definitely shout out to Pokestats. Yeah. Shout out to Pokestats. Tate's a good man. I'm going to shout out to you also. And I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. All right. Rob, you can plug all our stuff then. Thanks to Kiernan Wagner for coming on our podcast. And thank you, our listeners, for listening to the Heat Factory podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Pods, wherever you find your pods. If you're listening on Google or Apple Pods, do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating. Like our podcast, subscribe. That five-star rating really means a lot. It'll help us out. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at Heat Factory Pod, and our Facebook, at The Heat Factory. Y'all have a good one. Cool. Awesome. The quality of the content is not there. We're just trying to print out a nice shiny turd. <laughs> You're gonna have a, an easy time editing this can opening out.